Professor, tem mais de 30 conselhos, mais de 30, mais de 30, mais Garden Parties Football Club, brought to you by Theodora. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Bem-vindo, uh, pessoal. This is the first episode of Bola Pra Frenchy. Um, this is a show where we will be recapping the Campeonato Brasileiro, also known as the Brasileirão. Nick, um, Nick, let me stop you. We have to say who we is. Um, we is Nick and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the communism kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, some, our, our, some, some... Uh, our our bastard love child. <laughs> Going out on our own, seeing if we can stay afloat without Jesse and Sebastian. Uh, so yeah, you know we've been pretty Eurocentric on this podcast for now, but as fans. Of football, uh, there's no place to watch better place to watch the beautiful game, we jogo bonito than Brazil. So, um, over the next two months, we will be bringing this to you probably once every two weeks, and then after the Champions League final, once the European season winds down, it will be probably once a week. Uh, we will be telling you what games to watch, which players to watch, uh, how these teams are doing, just recapping, reviewing, previewing all of the Brasileiro for you. Uh, we got a couple of exciting interviews lined up. So um, without further ado, we'll start our first episode, um, which will be the preview of the 2022 Serie A season. Um, so if you're ready, Dej, uh, I guess we'll start with just a little bit of a history of the Brazilian ready. League. Just uh, for those who are not familiar with it, the league, Brasileira is uh, relatively young compared to other um, major leagues in the world. Uh, was only formed in 1971. Before that, the two major competitions to determine the national champion in Brazil were the Taça do Brasil. Uh, which ran from 1959 to 1968, and the Torneo Roberto Gomes Pedrosa, which ran from 1967 to 1970, and that was also known as the Robertão. I love it. And I love all it, the, the Robertão. Yeah, yeah, so he was actually the president of the Sao Paulo Football Federation for a while, so that tournament is named after him. Um, and the Brazilian Federation considers all the champions from these two tournaments um, to be Serie A champions, national champions. So when they talk about this team has 10 national championships, this team has eight national championships, it's including Brasileiro and possibly the Tassa and the Roberto. Um, before this, there was only the state championships, which are still ongoing today. They used to be massively popular, um, but have fallen out of favor as compared to the Brasileiro and the Libertadores. They're still important for fans, um, but also 
players and coaches kind of, you know, it's a heavy, very intensive season. So it's hard, uh, you know, just as teams in Europe complain about fixture congestion, this has kind of come up in recent years, whether or not they should continue with them. But it is a strong uh, tradition. Uh, fans are still into it. We saw just this year, you know, pitch invasions and, uh, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff happening. Managers being fired, exciting games. Uh, just last week, a player hitting a cell phone out of a fan's hand. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and basically, the season runs from January to December with the state championships running from January to April and the league running from April, May to December. So it's a very intense uh, league. And now you know, there's the state championships. So that's like 27 different competitions because there's 27 federal states in one district. But the four big ones are the Polistau, which is the one for the state of Sao Paulo. Um, and that's typically dominated by Palmeiras, Corinthians, Sao Paulo and Santos. Um, our Red Bull Bragantino, they've been making kind of waves lately. This year, it was Palmeiras over Sao Paulo in the final. There's the Cariocao, which is for uh, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, that's usually dominated by Flamengo, Fluminense. Not so much in recent years, Vasco da Gama, Botafogo. Um, this year, it was the Fla-Flu Derby, one of the biggest ones in Brazil, in the final, and that was won by Fluminense. Uh, there's the Mineiro, which is the state championship for Minas Gerais. Um, Atletico Mineiro has been one of the better teams in Brazil. Uh, Cruzeiro, historically, is also pretty good. Uh, that was won by Atletico this year. And then there's the Gaucho, which is maybe not as big as these other ones, but it is pretty historic. This year, it was the final between uh, Gremio and Internacional, which we discussed briefly on the pod a few weeks ago, if you remember us talking about the arena employee attacking uh, the Gremio team after the game. Um, so, yeah, that's basically a rundown of the history, kind of where they've gone in the last four months with the state championships. Um, and, yeah, it's a really competitive league. Um, anyone within reason can win the league. Uh, not Obviously, not all 20 teams have a chance to win, but there are some very strong teams. It's a very strong league. Uh, I think a lot of people consider it to be definitely top 10 league in the world, but probably around five, six, seven, um, after you consider some of those big European leagues. Uh, like we mentioned before, the calendar is absolutely insane. Like, not only does it run all year, but they usually play two games a week and they don't stop for international breaks. So it's just, like, between the league, the Copa do Brazil, and um, the Libertadores, it's just, like, a nonstop kind of action. and. Yeah, like we said, it's kind of unpredictable. Like, there's there's Gremio, who was in the Libertadores last season, one of the more historic teams in um, Brazil, won the Gauchel this year, but are were relegated last season and will be playing in Serie B. Um, 
there is also just the table structure, same as Europe, pretty much. Um, 20 teams play home and away. Top six go to the League except this year there were nine from Brazil with Palmeiras qualifying as returning champions and Atletico Paranaense winning the Sudamerica, getting automatic bids. Um, one through four usually go directly to the group stage, five to six, uh, get into the second qualifying round. Um, places seven to 12 go to the Copa Sudamericana, which is like the Europa League of South America. Um, last season, Atletico Mineiro were champions. Um, Gremio, Bahia, Sport Club do do Recife and Chapacoense were relegated and Botafogo, Goiás, uh, Cortiba, and Avai were promoted from Serie B. There's also Libertadores and Copa Brazil, which we probably won't be touching on too much compared to the league. Um, but those have already started. And there have been some pretty big results in both with Corinthians losing last night to Always Ready from Bolivia in their first match, and Avai recently promoted, um, getting knocked out of the Copa do Brasil by a Serie D side. And that's just the basic general overview. Um, so, yeah, any, any questions? Mind-boggling. It's literally yeah, mind-boggling. It's just... A lot. It's insane, and I'm very excited for it. Um, so, yeah, we jump in, and we'll talk about a few teams um, <clears throat> to be on the lookout for. Um, and I've picked 10 teams. Uh, we're not going to dwell too much on all of them because we don't want to ha- have you guys here for two hours listening to us. But, you know, I think a lot of experts kind of – tend to think that there's maybe six to 10 teams that have a chance at winning. Now, some of those are obviously much slimmer than others. And realistically, there are probably three main challengers this year. So we're, like I said, we got 10 teams try to split this up into three categories where we have the should be challengers. And then we have like that next rung where it's like qualifying for continental um, play maybe making a dark horse run teams kind of in this rebuilding or maybe first step, you know, cornerstone stone building stages. And then a couple just exciting projects to look out for. So we'll start with, I think the best place to start with these should be challengers here is um, possibly the best team in South America, the strongest team in South America. They won Copa Libertadores back-to-back. They were the Polystyle champions in 2022, finished third last year, and that is Palmeiras. Um, They brought in, they have coach uh, Abel Ferreira, who a lot of people consider to be the best manager in Brazil. It's not always uh, pretty, um, but he has a really tight defense that doesn't leak a lot of goals and a counter-attacking play that has proved to be extremely efficient. Um, They lost to Chelsea in the Club World Cup final this year, and that is their only loss so far of the year between the Club World Cup and the state championship. Um, They've got a pretty strong squad, a couple players. Um, 
say Rafael, Danilo, Waverton, Gustavo Gomez, Rafael Vega, they're probably kind of, you know, ones that are form the base of that team, spine like the leaders, um, spine of that team. They also signed Rafael Navarro from Botafogo. Good reinforcement. He was a top scorer in Serie B last season. Um, and yeah, there's like a variety of ways that this squad can set up. You know, tactically, personnel-wise, they're kind of deep. Um, but they still do have a pretty solid, um, consolidated, clear vision. One of the things I came across like frequently when kind of doing some research on this um, was that a lot of people were like, yeah, they just are a, like a well-oiled, like one body, one mind kind of machine, you know? Um, and it's like they were saying it's like the head and the heart are kind of married all throughout the squad, not just the players, but the coaching staff as well. And yeah, so like I said, they have um, very strong team. They really want to push for a third straight Libra to Doris, which is very, very difficult to do. I think it's even it's hard to do it even twice in a row. Um, and most people think they are favorites to win the league this year. Um, if I could pick one player to watch from this team, it would be Danilo, who was voted the best midfielder at the Club World Cup this year, winning over Conte and Jorginho. And in fact, he's been likened to N'Golo Conte. He's a very hardworking midfielder who pulls the strings for Palmeiras. He's only 21 years old. He's been in the first team since like 1819. Um, considered probably one of the better youngsters in the world. He hasn't really like, I don't think, um, kind of caught the headlines as some of the players abroad have, but he is a extremely efficient midfielder, very good midfielder, and probably may not even finish out the Brasileira season if Europe comes calling for him. So, uh, what do you think of Palmeiras? Uh, I'm interested in this kid, Indriki. Indriki, yeah, um, Indriki, yeah. But um, I, I've I've never I've never followed them uh, heavily, but um, we're just particularly interested in their kind of rise the last few seasons. Um, they challenged for, I think, places in in uh continental play what at least the last three years yeah yeah well they won they won the leaper to doors the last two right. years yeah yeah and they are they they are the winningest team um in brazil they weren't like the flat they aren't always like the flashy most popular choice mm. you know it's like i feel like when you think of brazil it's always sao paulo or santos or like flamengo mm. the ones that like, like nobody really thinks of palmeiras like, at least from abroad Mm-hmm. Right, but like uh, they definitely have been better in recent years than they were at least like when we started watching the game, like in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, and I don't know how close he'll be to the first team this year. He's still only what fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, yeah. but he is prolific. I mean, he what is? But his, his, I think it's one hundred sixty five, one hundred sixty five, and one hundred sixty nine matches. As yeah. a junior, yeah. 
That's and he's already been. He might not even make it to the first team because he might get snapped up before. You know. Yeah. Right. You know, breaking right. into the Palmeiras team. Right. All right. Wow. Um. I guess we'll move on next on the list is Atletico Mineiro, who we talked about a little bit before. They did the Copa do Brasil and League double last year. It was their first title since 1971 and only their second one overall. They're coached by Argentine Antonio Mohamed, who replaced Kuka after one year, who replaced Jorge Sampaoli after one year. I love that they um, call this guy the Turk. <laughs> Probably just because his last name. Is yeah, wild. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they've done a pretty good job of maintaining their title winning spot from last year. Um, they lost Diego Costa, um, who I think every European or world football fan will be familiar with. He was a pretty important part of their team in the latter half of the season. Last year, that they picked up Otavio from uh, Bordeaux, I believe. Um, Adamir on a free transfer, and Diego Godin on a free, I believe, from Calvary. Um, they also have Eduardo Vargas, uh, who you may remember from QPR, uh, Oppenheim. Um, I think he's the one with the Jordan logo tattooed on his neck. <laughs> uh, and Matias Aracho, Nacho Fernandez, two pretty good young Argentines that hold over from last year. Um, so, yeah, they consistent team. You know, they've uh, done a good job reinforcing um, an already strong squad. Um I think Antonio Mohamed might still be getting to know his players a little bit, but they have a lot of strength. They have a lot of depth. They have a, a lot of experience. Um, they're capable of playing a pretty free-flowing, attacking football. And you, you know, they have like Hulk kind of sometimes playing in a false nine. You have your wingers, your midfielders rotating, nobody playing in like a set position off across the front of their attack. Um, and the player I would look out for in this team is Hulk. Uh, you know, he was their top scorer last year and a team that can attack pretty well. He might, you know, do it, you know, has a good chance of scoring a lot of goals again this year. Um, so yeah, they're definitely a team to look out for, uh, in the league and on the continent. As well. I like the addition of Godin. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. It's a big deal. So, I mean, he's not the Diego Godin of five years ago, but that's still a lot of experience. Yeah. And he's not that far off, you know, the top. Yeah. I mean, at least it, rem it remains to be seen how far off the top he is, but it was only a season or two ago he was with Inter and Atletico Madrid um, playing the Champions League. Yeah, and, and there's just a lot to yeah. be said for a guy who's done a lot of winning at that level, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, then there's Flamengo, who is our third, um, probably should in the should-be challengers uh, group. Um, they were the Libertadores and Serie A runners-up in 2021. And they were also the 2022 Carioca runners-up 
Um, they're coached by Paulo Souza, who recently made headlines uh, after leaving the Poland job um, after making their qualification a little bit harder than it needed to be. Um, they have really good players, uh, strong team, depth, uh, but I think some of the consensus here might be that they lack a little bit of identity under Souza. Um, he's trying to implement a few ideas and, you know, there's still a few more doubts than, you know, certainties in this team going into the season. There's been a lot of squad turnover, players leaving, players coming in. There's questions to remain on how the players mesh with each other and how they mesh with the manager style of play. Um, but yeah, they brought in David Luis, um, Arsenal legend David Luis. Uh, also, Felipe Luis, uh, Diego Alves, and they have Matt Diego, who mm. I'm honestly, I didn't even realize he was still playing, to be honest with you. I knew he was still playing recently, but I didn't know he was still playing going at this. I think he's like 37 or something like that. That's I, remember watching, I remember watching him at Wolfsburg when I was in middle school, you know. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know uh, Andreas Pereira's was, was in their team last season, and it doesn't look like that's going to be made a permanent deal. Um, so yeah, there's still questions that remain about this team. Uh, my player to keep an eye on, player to watch in this team would be Gabby Goal, who kind of failed big time in his much anticipated move to Europe. Uh, only played like nine, ten games in Serie A for Inter. Didn't really do much on loan at Benfica, I believe it was, but he's come back to Brazil and he's t- returned to that prolific form that's kind of got him linked with a move abroad in the first place and is now kind of getting him linked with a move abroad again. Yeah, those are my three, um, three kind of like top three top challengers for this season. And we have our next rung with the um, the dark horses, if you will. Um, and we'll start with uh, Corinthians. Um, they finished fifth in Serie A last season, the Brasileira last season. Um, they fired Silvino after a very poor start to the Paulista, um, Campeonato Paulista. And like I said before, the state championships, it's like they don't, I mean, I wouldn't say they're unimportant and they don't mean anything, but like the real substance of, you know, money and prestige comes from the Campeonato. But like I said, there are consequences to not performing in it. And Silvino, who is kind of, um, already on the chopping block before this. Uh, didn't really have a good end of the season last year. Um, it was already kind – of, fans were kind of already very doubtful of him going into the season. Started very badly in the state championship and was fired. So they brought in Vito Pereira, who, if you may remember, was linked with the vacancy at Everton in the winter. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, they've kind of been going through a few changes here, not just in terms of managerial changes and style play, but, um, a lot of 
experienced players coming into this team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Renato Augusto, uh, William, Paulinho, Juliano. I remember Paulinho back that that happened a little while ago, right? Yeah, that was yeah. and William at the end of last season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the and but now they've also got um a couple players coming in because due to the situation in Ukraine. Um, they brought in Maikon and Juno Marish, um, for from Shakhtar Donetsk, mm-hmm. um, at least until the end of 2022. Um, they should be comfortably in a Libertadores qualifying spot, automatic qualifying spot, one of those top four or five spots. Um, but you know, there's still questions that remain. They have they might have an outside chance potential. They have potential in this team. They have a lot, like I said, a lot of experience, not just the players coming back abroad, but like some players that have been in this squad for a very, very long time, like their goalkeeper, Tashio and uh, Wagner, um, the defender. So yeah, it's a, they're an interesting prospect. Um, I think they've been a little disappointing in recent years and their fans and their team players everybody will be pushing to kind of get this team back up um to where they believe they belong and my player to watch from this team in addition to junior marriage because i think he gives them a little bit of something that they've been lacking nothing against roger guedes who yeah i have sort of a soft spot for him because he wore the number 123 last season but um, my main player to watch would be Mike Cohn, the central midfielder who is on loan from Shakhtar. I just mentioned um, 24 years old. He's a very good young midfielder, uh, strong, you know, number six, number eight type. Um, and I think he's a I think he's their most recent addition. And he might just be kind of give them that youthful push that they need in amongst this very experienced group and you know not for nothing he's been playing champions league playing abroad in addition to having experience in the brasileiro before that so he brings plenty of experience as well um yeah uh moving on to another team definite kind of dark horse uh fortaleza um they finished fourth in 2021, um, probably their best season, like completely exceeding expectations. They've been back-to-back uh, Northeast uh, champions. Um, they're coached by Juan Pablo Bojboda from Argentina. <clears throat> and as of now, they are the only unbeaten team in Brazil in 2022. And They've gone 16 unbeaten. That goes to 17 going back to the final game of 2021. Um, yeah. A, this is an interesting team. Um, they're trying to build a winning culture here. They have only just been promoted back um, from Serie B in 2018. And since then, they won their state championship three times and won the Northeast championship two times. Um, so a few new signings, uh, Renato Kaiser and Moises are good additions as well as bringing in 
Silvio Romero from uh, on loan from Independiente. Um, there's this kid, London Zuri, a good young defender just signed from Ecuador that some people are pretty high on. And then, of course, holdovers from last year, Chris Boom, and, you know, just probably the best name in world football, Yago Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've, have a, they've had some solid investment in a pretty solid team. Um, they were first-time... Libertadores qualifiers last year, which, like I said, they really exceeded expectations. Um, I think they might find it tough to compete, especially competing across three competitions at a high level like that. Um, but I think they, you know, they have the squad to qualify again, or at least challenge for one of those automatic qualifying spots, if not a qual like a second round qualifying spot. Um, and yeah, they're just a exciting project. Uh, player to watch from here, like I said before, Yago Pikachu, which is just so good. <laughs> so good. Yago isn't bad either. It was, but yeah. the whole thing together. The whole thing together, yeah. Ah, Red Bull, Red Bull Bragantino. This is my people then. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one in the Red Bull Collective, Red Bull Bragantino. Um, they finished sixth last season. They're coached by Mauricio Barbieri. Um, they lost their, I guess you could call him the talisman, Thomas Cuello, from he's uh, Argentine, I think, to Atletico Paranense. Um, over the transfer window, but they still kind of maintain the base um, of the team that was successful last year, um, including Italo, uh, Artur, Raul, you know, Leo Ortiz, Lucas Evangelista, who I think is on loan from Nantes. Um, on a multi-year loan. <clears throat> They're also bringing in, I believe, I'm not sure if it's final yet, but it looks likely to happen, bringing on Renan, a young defender, promising defender on loan from Palmeiras. And yeah, you know, like I said, it's Red Bull, so they have the structure and the money of that Red Bull collective, which is always a plus. Um, I think they're just a, they're a good team. They should qualify again. Um, player to watch would be probably the record signing, Artur. He's a creative winger. He's a big part of their success last year. And after losing Cueo to, you know, the competition, uh, he might have caused a step up here. All right. Next up, we have Sao Paulo. Um, they were they finished a disappointing thirteenth in uh, the Brasileiro last season. Uh, they were runners up in the state championship, the Campeonato Paulista. Um, they're coached by an absolute fucking legend of the game and a legend of that club, Rogério Ceni, who racked up like eight hundred 
850 appearances for them and also scored like over 100 goals for them as a goalkeeper. Um, so yeah, they, he's been brought in kind of um, hoping maybe like, you know, bring in a club legend like that and also somebody with managerial experience um, in the league can kind of galvanize this team a little bit. Um, they have kind of a, they have a group here of some intriguing Young midfielders, Pablo Maya, Rodrigo Nestor, uh, Igor Gomes, um, Gabriel Sara. Um, and that pair as well with the strong kind of experience base they have. You got Reynaldo, Rafinha, who you may remember from Schalke, I think, Bayern Munich. Uh, is older now, obviously. Uh, Miranda as well. Um, they brought in Gabriel Neves. From on loan from Nacional in what is that Argentina or is that Uruguay? Uh, they brought uh, in they they picked up Mikel, um, probably the best player on Atletico Paranaense last season. So that's a big loss for them, but a big pickup for Sao Paulo. And uh, they also brought in Patrick from Internacional. Um, um, yeah, so this kind of, you know, blends together into a pretty strong base. Um, and they're really trying to do something after, like, 10 or so problem, years of problems <clears throat> within the club. Um, not, I wouldn't say they've been falling into obscurity, but they definitely aren't the powerhouse um, they used to be. Mm. Um they're an interesting team. They got a lot of potential. Um, I think they should do better than their uh, 13th place um, showing last year and challenge for maybe uh, one of those pre-qualification round, second round spots in Libertadores or a Sud America spot. Um, my player to watch from them would be probably Jonathan probably Calieri who is back in Brazil after like five years in Europe, including a loan to West Ham. Some Premier League fans might remember. Um, he was voted, I think, top attacker in the Campeonato Paulista this year and was also the second leading scorer in that competition. So be looking to see if he carries that into the league proper, um, that form. And then finally, out of this group, uh, we have Fluminese, who finished seventh in the league last year and were the Carioca champions um, this year, beating, as I mentioned before, Flamengo in the Flaflu Derby final. Um, they're coached by Brazilian Abel Braga. Um, solid defensive team. Not like a ton of attacking options, uh, or no, they yeah they do have a ton of not a ton of attacking options, but they have some interesting top attacking options. Uh, they're a complete team, I guess you could call them, maybe top to bottom, but not like dominant in any one way. Um, they had some promise going into 2022, but they got. Knocked out of the Libertadores qualify, qualifying rounds by a team from, I'm blanking, I want to say Bolivia, 
but I might just be confused with always ready. <laughs> it's just a great team name. Um, so yeah, they kind of in this limbo phase where like they kind of gotten knocked back a bit um, with their getting knocked out of Libertadores, but then they win the uh, Campeonato Carioca. So, you know, this is just, there's some questions here to be answered. Can Felipe Melo answer them? Yeah, they've got, they have a lot of experience in this team. Like Gonzo, Felipe Melo, uh, Davi Bras, uh, Fred, who we'll all remember from 7 1 uh, and just getting booed by Celestial fans um, everywhere he went for a while after. That. <laughs> uh, but he's actually the captain of this team now and was very lively in the final, uh, the Paulista final. Um, I'd say their player to watch for now, at least, uh, is Luis Enrique, a 21-year-old winger forward. But it has been announced that he will be leaving to join Raul Betis in July. Um, And I think some Betis fans have kind of already earmarked him as the heir apparent to club legend Joaquin over there. Um, but then another player that just signed uh, from Vasco da Gama after la- last season, Jermaine Cano, Ar- Argent- uh, Argentine forward, already in some pretty good goal-scoring form. Um, so, yeah, there's one to look out for, for sure. So that's the five teams, I would say, are kind of like those dark horses, those rebuilders, builders, up-and-comers. Um and then we have two little interesting projects that I kind of wanted to highlight. Um, first, we have Botafogo, who were the Serie B champions last season, getting promoted to the Brasileirao. Um, they are managed by Luis Castro, uh, Portuguese. And they had a lot of... They are, like, a truly, like, historic team in Brazil. Some absolute mammoth players like, you know, Garincha, players like that have come through this team. Um, But they had some financial difficulties in recent years. They've dropped down to the second division, but they have some renewed hope with their new American owner, a big takeover from John Texter. Um, He's also a Crystal Palace part owner. Um, he owns a team in the Belgian second division, and I think he was linked with a bid to Benfica recently. Um, it's kind of a lot of people are like looking at this as maybe one of those new multi club platforms. Um, you know, obviously not quite like the city group or something, you know, something like that, yeah. but along the yeah. same line. So it's a yeah, he's already investing in the squad. Um, he's got. Fan, like the fans were really, really excited about this takeover. Um, they had some players like Victor Sa and uh, Lucas Piazon. You might remember from his Chelsea days, and mm-hmm. I think maybe Benfica as well. Um, and they also had this young kid, uh, Mateos Nascimento. Um, if you remember back when we we're talking about Palmeiras, 
um, adding uh, Navarro from this team. He was their top scorer last year. And Nascimento is just a young 18-year-old forward, handful of appearances. Um, last year, stepping up when players got injured, I think he got one goal in like 15 appearances. But this he's an exciting young player, possibly to watch. Um, and he could maybe fill that void that's been left. Um, and there's already talk about them even after first year after promotion with this backing and with its renewed enthusiasm making a challenge for a continental spot. Um, direct qualification to the group stage in Libra Dodoris is probably too much. Um, qualification round of Libertadores might be a stretch, but I think they have a good chance of qualifying for the Sudamericana. Um, and then lastly, out of these teams here is Atletico Paranaense, who were the Sudamericana champions last year, and as a result were qualified for um, Libertadores, but have since been knocked back down into Sud America after not getting through the qualifying rounds. Um, they're coached by Alberto Valentim, the Brazilian. Um, from what I can gather, the fans aren't like super excited about the manager. And I don't think they're like ready to get rid of him yet, but I don't know if they're like, they built a really solid foundation um, last year qualifying um and they want to do better than this 14th place finish and it's you know they do have some interesting attacking options like Vitinho, uh agustin canovio lone player just come in marlos um another one of those um players coming in from ukraine i believe and then like i said before thomas coelho who was kind of a talisman for bragantino last year is coming into the squad um, which is good for them because, as I mentioned before, they met, they lost, they lost, uh, Nikau to, uh, Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they should be, uh, challenging again for a qualifying for a continental spot. It remains to be seen if they'll get back up into Libertadores. I think, you know, that maybe that was just back off the back of their run in Sud America. Remains to be seen if they can repeat something like that or maybe do better in the league than 14th. But they are an interesting project to look out for. And that is only 10 out of 20 teams. But those are 10 that, you know, based off of what I've told you, if you want to pick one or two or follow all 10 or whatever, you know. And, you know, don't take me to be an expert. You know, we're kind of getting going along not learning as we go along i think you know nash and i are both moderately familiar with this league but not as much as you know say this other these other leagues so part of what we're doing here and part of why we're doing this podcast is not just for your guys' sake and just to spread you know fuchibol brasileiro around the world but you know just so for our sake so we can learn more we can get more invested in this because it is such an interesting league um so you could take these 10 teams and if you don't have a team if you don't know where to start i suggest you maybe start here 
And yeah, the, the season starts on Saturday. So that is the first bit of our team's preview. We will take a quick break and then we'll come back with our season predictions, a few season predictions and a few matches to watch this weekend. Here, this is Swens, aka Shades, and we want to thank you for always listening to our podcast. Speaking of podcasts, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Now, let me break it down for you. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. Shout out to our listeners who are over there in France, London, and all across the world. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, We have a little bit of a season prediction here for you. Um, We've got a winner. We're going to predict a winner. We're going to predict a dark horse challenger, and we're going to pick a team to get relegated. So, Naj, you want to start us off with your predicted winner this season? Yeah, uh, I was, you know, I don't know as much about this stuff as Nick does. Um, So I was doing a lot of like, you know, crunching, how we crunch, how we used to crunch for tests. And um, uh, I went back and forth and um, I ended up on Club Atletico Monero. I I think they're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, good shout. You know, won it last year. Um, it'll be tough to repeat, but the pieces that they added, the team that they have, yeah, for sure. I'm going to stick with everybody's favorite. I know it might be a cop-out, but I truly do think they might be the best team in South America, and I predict that Palmeiras will win the Brasileiro 2022. Um, Your dark horse selection. Uh, I went with my heart just because I really love, I have a soft spot for this team, the club. Um, I love their, their position and role in football without being a really enormous metropolitan city. And so that stands out to me a little bit too, just, uh, cause I feel that's, it's a little Philly in me. Um, but uh, I'm going with Santos, uh, as Nick was, Nick and I were, saying uh before this i mean maybe not maybe they don't maybe they stay mid-table and only uh really qualify for libertadores or sudamericana or something but um i think they're always there's something special about them they sparkle a little bit different than other people um so we'll see i like i and like i I said it's a learning it's a learning thing for both of us so we'll i'll see how they i'll pick them and i'll see how they do um you know Yeah, so there we go. I mean, they're just, they are like such an institution, right? If you Mm -hmm. are the home of, if you're the ancestral home of Pele and Neymar, I mean, 
Yeah, they kind of remind me. You can't remind, write them out. Yeah, it's it's like it's like some type of like you know like epic poetry. You know, like some type yeah. of they're like the people in the south that are the keepers of it. They're like the ayats yeah. of ayats of the uh, the south southeastern hemisphere type thing. You know, they also have a great nickname. I mean, oh, so many of these scenes are great yeah. nicknames, but yeah. I just love yeah. Upeshi. Yeah, 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 the fish. The fish, yeah. yo, it's 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 very the the references are super super biblical, really heavy. Oh, they Santos, are, yeah. Yeah. Like I heavy, love it, heavy. I love yeah. it. Very good yeah. shit. My dark horse is uh, Corinthians. Um, maybe not so much of a dark horse as they should be, kind of up there in those top five spaces, but um they've kind of been disappointing a disappointing team the last few seasons considering their quality in their squad and you know maybe this is the year they break back into that top two top three um position uh do you have a favorite to get relegated um i chose uh juventude i think because i just i didn't have anything really to go on so Guy like yeah. me has to actually go to stats if I don't have any highlights. To watch. <laughs> yeah, I do all my I do all my picking purely on emotion. You know what I mean. So now yeah. I, I had to actually go look at stats, and I think uh, like several years running, or maybe maybe just consistently, Juventude has finished just out of the relegation zone. So mm-hmm. like like just above the relegation zone. So I think I think some teams only have so long. To do that, especially when yeah. newer when when uh, newer competition emerges, like we've seen in the prim, when newer competition emerges, that IE is a team who uh, got promoted and managed to hang around, or is a consistent yeah. cellar dweller that added some pieces. Yeah. Um, so it makes you can't it harder. Stay, you can't for, stay Burnley forever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro, you yeah. can't stay mediocre forever in in, yeah. in a relegation and promotion sports. Yeah. Uh, which is chill. It's it's a good thing though. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think yeah. you I think they're kind of a lot of people's pick this year, along with Cuiaba and uh my pick, which would be Avai. Um the captain kind of legend. Mm-hmm. Uh Betau, 37, 38 years old. His contract ran out after their state championship this year. Uh, he's a league winner with Corinthians and also won um, with Dinamo Kiev in Europe. So he's probably retiring. I don't know. There's been some stuff about him joining the backroom staff. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, they had a poor showing in Copa de Brazil getting knocked out by a team from the fourth division. Mm. Um, they were the fourth out of four, four teams to get promoted from the second division uh, last year, finishing in fourth place. And they have been promoted five times, I think, since 2010, and they got relegated four, and their <laughs> highest finish was 15. <laughs> So, yeah, so they I might be what right some fans there. call a yo yo <laughs> club. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um uh, yeah, so that's I guess that will wrap up a team's our predictions. Um 
got three matches that I highlighted to watch out for this weekend. Um, we start out kind of with a banger here. Uh, Saturday, 3.30, first match of the season, Fluminese against Santos. Um, and then Saturday at 6 p.m., we have Atletico Mineiro against Internacional. And then Sunday at 3, we have Corinthians against Botafogo. So there's three pretty solid matches in the opening weekend here. Yeah. Um, if you And if you watch European football, if you watch Serie A, if you watch Scottish Premier League, if you watch Europa League, if you watch Champions League, you have Paramount Plus, which means you can watch all of these games this year. Um, so if yes. you find some time to find yes. to, to watch one of these games this weekend, I would suggest maybe one of those three. Nick, can you believe this? This is just what Rachel wants. Just me watching more football all day. <laughs> yeah, oh, being a dickhead. Yeah. Yes. I thought, yeah it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna Tied be to June. Under my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be June and she's gonna be like, Wait, I thought this season was over. <laughs> and you're just yelling at the screen in Portuguese. Wait, yeah, this I'll be like, No, babe, are you crazy? There's a league where there's a guy who's known for diving. He's yeah. known for diving. Are you kidding yeah. me, man? No, me and they have is, a job to do. His name is very close to just being Diverson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally is Diverson. <laughs> it's like not like the pronunciation is just off, but like it's close enough where it's just like really. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's and he played for one of the best teams in the country. <laughs> In the continent, on the in the world, yeah, yeah, yeah they were just in uh, Club yeah. World Cup, no, the final, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I know this isn't the main show, but are we gonna finish out with some shout outs here? Yeah, um, I just wanted to shout out you and I. Um, I think this is gonna be a cool project because, like you said, uh, you know, this is a thing that. It's weird. We're at the same level almost with everyone else listening. So it's like a learning thing. It's almost yeah. like class, dare I say, uh, but yeah. not really. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, go figure. You and I brand our podcast as a class. No, um, but not everybody gets to kind of <laughs> learn about the Brasileiro at the same in, in a similar style and way, like pick your team and find somebody to follow, learn about new players. Um, and that's what's really fun about football anyway is, like, part of it is just, like, there's always some new shit to learn about. There's always some new, wacky, like, whatever the fuck going on football culture thing to to learn yeah. about. Like, when uh, I was at the PSG reps the other day, and they whis- they just whistled Sergi, Sergi Ramos just because they were bitter about getting knocked out of Champions League. That's, <laughs> they whistled him every time he touched the ball. I'm like, bro, he's not yeah. even played all year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's you just get you get a new slice of life from from somebody else's culture. I'm sure we'll we'll come back with plenty of uh, really hilarious stories from uh, you know the week or weeks in Brazilian uh, football. But yeah, shout out to like everybody listening. Um, liking, following, subscribing. Shout out to uh, the gang that comes to um, uh, pick up football. Shout out to our boy Doug and uh, Jenga uh, Athletics. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, of course, Deodora, 
Blue Ribbon Distilling, Bluebird Distillery, um, P's and Q's, uh, all the gang down at uh, Theodora headquarters, uh, Black Sheep, um, Jamesy, Sean, all the mandem, Ian, Twerthel, everybody with um, a late March or early April birthday, Aries gang. Um, Ray's mom, Mindy, her birthday is Monday. Aries, shout out. Um, and Golo Conte for playing his little heart out today. He had two shots on goal. Nick, he, he was like every – he, he had two shots on goal, big man. Yeah, yeah. Yo, he was trying he was to do the thing. Yo, I've never seen him so aggressive. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Shout out, yeah. shout out us too, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Shout out good. to you. Yeah, shout out to you, man. Shout out to me and my brother and my mom. And I guess, do I have to find a South American hot tempo in our foot? Shout out. <laughs> he exists. His shout name out. is Juninho Paulista. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> Juninho Paulista, actually. Yeah. Um, that could be yours. I'll, I'll think of another one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to... Everybody listening, yeah, like you said, shout out to Doug, shout out to uh, Madge, Jesse, Swens, T, Ian. Uh, I know Madge said he's happy he doesn't have to do another show, <laughs> but we're going to get him on a couple of these episodes here. Um, and yeah, other than that, continue to come play with us at 321 North Paramount Ave, uh, where we're getting back out and outdoors in the spring coming up soon um, as well so we'll have more info on that like follow and subscribe we're on Facebook uh, at Garden Parties FC we're at Garden Parties FC on Twitter and at GPFC pod on Instagram uh, we got plenty of cool shit coming up yep. you'll be hearing loads. from us again literally loads sorry nigga. Yeah. loads of cool shit Yo, so much lot. cool shit. So like, dude, we haven't even talked about like ever. actually like really cool shit. Yeah, you know that for most of this time, I you guys don't even understand. Uh, for most of this time, I was just zoning out because Nick was just talking to me about football. It's like my like when you give a little child a bath and read them a story. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because he would just talk about something, and then I'd start researching, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And Nick still ta- he's still talking about football. I'm like, yo, that's even cooler. Oh, what's yeah. that about? This guy, I- I'm still reading about this guy they call the Turk. Uh, what's his name, Muhammad? Like, come on. <laughs> like, this yeah. is, this is like, I- my girlfriend just left. She thinks you, it's like that meme. Like uh, what your girlfriend thinks you're you're doing with your boys while she's away, and what you're really doing is <laughs> really just one of us like swaddling the other, reading the yeah. other football stats. Yeah, and in 1982. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back with another episode of Bola Pra Frenchie in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll see how this first two weeks of the season go see which players are catching our eye in the first few weeks here um and we're looking forward to it thank you for joining us obrigado y logo 
Mis amigos. Yeah, what he said. Five Santos. Five Santos. <laughs> Long sleeve service. <laughs>